This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. Use the promo code BLUECHIP to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Carnation. I'm joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you today? Bringing some excitement. We have a somewhat regular podcast schedule again. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's last month, basically. A month from today. Uh, or you know, from tomorrow. right in time well, for the draft. I, actually, a month from when you're listening to this, which is Monday, it's, it's going to be the draft, so... It's kind of a reality setting. Still, still got a somewhat lengthy watch list, but I've uh, made a plan to to make sure I get to to everyone I want to get to. So, I'm and, I'm about and, to hit that goal I set for myself, but I and, still have like forty or fifty more names. And uh, you know, we talked about it, but uh, I'll be releasing my first big board in a couple of weeks. So, definitely excited about that. You talk about big boards, Dev. Now, we did this about a month, actually two months ago. I'm pretty sure it was like January 28th or whatever. Uh, when you just spent an entire podcast just kind of tearing into my board. And enough time has passed that there have been some changes. We've had the combine. We've had the senior bowl, all of that good stuff. There are a lot more players that I've watched since then. Bailey Zappi, for instance, was not on my first big board. Neither was Trayvon Walker. Those guys are both on this big board. So, Devin, for the first time in two months, have at it, sir. By the way, this is the Hernitian's Big Board and Positional Rankings 2.0, available to you all at bluechipscouting.com, a fine website indeed. Well, first thing uh, someone would know us on the big board is uh, a new QB1. A new QB1. QB1. We'll, we'll get into that. Okay, so... Little behind the curtains, the original plan for this was going to be I combine the big board stylings of the athletic and bleacher report, where you have the individual pages for the for the uh, quarterback rankings, and then you have a explanation or a rationale for one of those. And my computer froze while I was typing it out. So I actually had a full rationale typed up, and then it was gone, definitely. <laughs> Yikes. So let me explain why I, I have a new QB1. So I was looking at my board before the season and in the summer. And from about August, my QB1 has been Carson Strong. <laughs> it is now Malik Willis. And the reason for this is, one... I tried to to not just purely go on the film grade this year because while film is obviously of the utmost importance, you can't base your rankings entirely on the film because you have to think about things like injury, off-field, pre-draft process. And if you look at on the uh, film grades, Carson Strong is my highest graded quarterback this year. However, 
Malik Willis has absolutely crushed this pre-draft process. He's the best quarterback at the Senior Bowl. I don't put any weight into the combine because it doesn't matter. And I really don't put all that much weight into a quarterback's pro day because they all do the exact same throws, almost in the exact same order. And then Twitter loses their mind about how important all of these throws are. So Malik Willis was head-to-head with Carson Strong. And I can't confirm this myself because I wasn't down there. But from what I heard, the quarterback that had the worst week in Mobile, aside from Bailey Zappi, was Carson Strong because there were reports that he wasn't quite understanding, you know, the process didn't really understand the playbook. There are concerns about the health, long-term health of his knee. There are immaturity questions. And at the end of the day where there's smoke, there's probably fire. And while it's not enough for me to like completely tank Carson Strong, because a lot of this is, conjecture and and rumor based and and possible smokescreen bullshit i get the sense that like it it really has not been a a good couple of months and and i've fallen victim to this in the past where despite everything that's being put out in the media uh reporting especially about quarterbacks i've kind of ignored it and gone well, you know, it needs to be right. Like 2014, perfect example. Kenny Bridgewater, by the time the draft came around, was nowhere near in the conversation for QB1. He was my number one player that year, the entire draft process. So it's a bit of like Willis's phenomenal pre-draft process and Strong's somewhat questionable pre-draft process, if that makes sense. I know that's a very long-winded answer. No, that makes sense. I mean, I think it's it's hard not to adjust your rankings when there are, you know, reports and conjecture and then you're hearing things about certain players, especially at the quarterback position. We've just seen so many situations devolve over the years, like Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, you know, guys that people were like, yes. Yeah, Don't remind me of the 2018 draft class, please. I know, but I'm, I'm just objectively my worst quarterback draft class rankings ever. Yeah, I'm just using an example because you know I'm <laughs> going through finalizing everything, and, and it's tough. You know, I'm, I thought I'd be higher and lower on, on people, and and actually Malik Willis is my QB one as well, and it's just a combination of when you look at you know the skill set, it, it's just hard for me to say how successful Carson Strong will be. At the exactly. Because it's mixed reports out there about him. There's mixed reports about Rose and there's mixed reports about, you know, I mean, even now Baker. And, and it's like you want these dudes to be successful. I think it's the most important thing here. But at the same time, you have to realize that, you know, there there's a, a lot of a lot that goes into being a quarterback. And, and if, if, or te- if anyone is really questioning something about your game that that usually is not a a great thing so you should be ascending in the process not not falling down feels like Carson Strong is is doing that and yeah I mean I I, I don't really disagree with the rankings per se I still have to watch Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral and finish up their final evaluations but I I think we're going to have kind of similar rankings I'll probably be 
switch around probably Corral and, and Desmond Ritter on your board, but I, I think it's going to play out it, kind of similar to how, how yours is. Now, I want to get this out there in the open. Uh, what, what, this is not a scenario where like a quarterback has like risen to not only be my number one quarterback, but be, but all the way to number one, like to, to the number one player in the class. Like, let's say I made a switch like this last year. Like Trevor Lawrence was number one the entire draft process. Like that would have been huge. Like, oh my God, we're a month out from the draft and Mike's got a new quarterback at quarterback one, which would also make him player one. Malik Willis is number 42 on my board. So I think that shows you what I think of this quarterback class. Just uh, the depth of, of just this class in general. I mean, there's a, a lot of good players, a lot of good players. I also the, noticed. The, uh, the thing is, is and, and I'll say this, I would argue that after about the top 15 players, that like 16 through 50, there's almost no difference. Like they're pretty interchangeable if you ask me. For various reasons, whether it's lack of all that much star power, injuries, off-field, lack of athleticism in some cases on there. Yeah. Where, where's your next one that you want to talk about? I'm going to say edge because that's kind of the next fish I'm going to power deepest, through. The deepest position in the entire class. Oh, boy. <laughs> By the way, I've done 21 edge rushers and I still have like eight more on my watch list. So, so got a job of five, Trayvon Walker at six. Obviously, they've both been uh, kind of polarizing for different reasons. Uh, you know, as Walker is being in, in the discussion for being the number two overall pick. I, I saw number one earlier this morning. That too. Um then obviously, a job with the, the Achilles injury at, at his pro day. Uh, we're, we're well. First, was Ojabo affected by his injury? And, and yeah, he was, was. And then Walker. Uh, why he didn't crack your top five? Okay, so before the injury, I had the position rankings. By the way, I think that this edge class is stupid deep, like just stupid deep. Uh, before the injury, I had it as Kayvon Thibodeau, um, Aiden Hutchinson, then. Uh, coming out, going into the combine, Ojabo was three, Carl Laftis was four, and Jermaine Johnson was five. Then Jermaine Johnson continued his meteoric rise. He's been just phenomenal since the season start. Makes you have to go back watch the film, and then you realize you missed it on the first take. And yeah, the the guy's just like one of the most complete players in the entire gl- class. Can stop the run. Was really just underutilized properly at at Florida State. And he's he feasted at the senior bowl. Carlaftis, I, I don't care about the he's not uh, he's not an alpha because at the same time the media is saying that Kayvon Thibodeau is also too too full of himself. So Ojabo, I, I got scared off a little bit. I've seen this happen with the with the pro days happening so soon after the combine where there's an Achilles Achilles injury, Sidney Jones in 2017. That one has stuck with me because Sidney Jones was my number one corner. Um, I just get worried about that, man, because I don't know how readily available is going to be year one. This is a guy whose game is entirely predicated so far off of explosiveness and athleticism, and an Achilles tear can really fuck all of that up. 
so it's it's a cautious tale. I still it it wasn't enough for me to drop him from the from the first round uh you know grades, but you know because I think he's got possibly the most potential out of any defensive player in this class. But at the same time, he's probably not going to play as a rookie, and then it it directly inhibits the like his bread and butter when it comes to um to rushing the passer is almost entirely built off speed and then Trayvon Walker I just don't get it he's number 32 on my board um he's a great run defender he hasn't put it together as a pass rusher which is bizarre because we live in an NFL where pass rushing is at a premium so I don't like I get it. He like in terms of athleticism at six five two eighty or whatever he was at the combine. Like his mock draftable spider web is almost a complete circle. But at some point, I need some of that to translate on film, and I haven't seen it translate on film. I think he's a solid second round pick. Yeah, it's it's tough, man, because it's like. Especially with edge rushes, I mean, they they go a lot higher than you ever think, just because you got to have one. I mean, we saw Jason Owe in, in the most recent draft didn't really have first round film, but I would argue that uh, that Owe is a better player coming out than than Trayvon Walker is. I, I can see it. I mean, even just as a pure pass rusher, because we know Walker's pursuit skills and in, in you know, his ability to defend the run, but I mean, he's still a ball of clay uh, in, in the pass rush game. So thought I thought I mentioned that uh, we do have a little bit of different rankings in, in a receiver position. Uh, I think that and let me pull. Well, on. to be fair, I've watched 32. Yeah, at least at least in the, the top 10, it's a little different for me, but um, I, Wilson's one for me, Burke's two. Uh, Actually, London is three, Olave is four, and then five is Jameson Williams. But so know, same I, guys, different order. Yeah, but I, I mean, I get I get the the order that you have it because like for me, it was just it was splitting hairs. I mean, it was like three points separating, like three or four points separating all five of them. Like they were all within the same, like right after one another. I yeah, like I, I have four in the first round. So yeah, it was, it was like point. I want to say point, like five between uh, Williams and Olave for four and five. So I mean, it was it was literally splitting hairs. Uh, Devin, if you want to know how close my receiver rankings are in order, uh, at ten Traylon Burks, at uh, twelve Garrett Wilson, and at thirteen Jameson Williams. Yeah, so I mean, it's. It's a it's a crazy class. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, uh, I had I did have to watch, admittedly, a little bit more tape on Olave because I see what he brings. And, you know, he's a, he's a tremendous deep threat. But you know, there's a kind of a reason I have him at four. I know some people like him at two, at three. <clears throat> I I just I feel like there's something missing with him. And not like in a bad way. I just feel no, like no, no. when you're splitting hairs between like all these dudes, like you see clearly with what Burks can be. Same with Wilson. 
Uh, same with Williams, same with London. But Olave is a little bit of a, a tougher one for me because, like, he could play outside receiver, but, like, the, the contested catch ability is, like, hit or miss with him. You know, like, he's, he's made some contested catches, but it's just not going to be an, a prominent part of his game. No, so absolutely. I, it, it, it's – the receiver one is – I mean, it, it's tremendous to, to stack it up. But it, it also is incredibly difficult. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and here's the thing. There was, there was an analyst, you know exactly who I'm talking about, that was talking about how, like, how good this receiver class was. And it was like um, compared folks to like Keyshawn Johnson and the, these like, like multi-time all-pro borderline Hall of Fame players. I try to avoid that at all costs like at all costs because that's just putting way too much pressure on on young on young guys uh Traylon Burks is my number one receiver I have him comp to AJ Brown who I had as my wide receiver too that year we won't talk about who my number one receiver was that year all right (laughs) that's fair uh but no like this wide receiver class um in terms of top 100 players Devin there are uh, 15 <laughs> sounds about right. I mean, receiver is always going to go often early, so not, and the not thing is, is that there's, a, there's like a good mix of styles with these wide receivers because you have like Burks is the AJ Brown type player, you have Jameson Williams who's just like ungodly fast, Christian Watson who was both big and stupid fast, Wandale Robinson who's a shifty after you know, after the catch type guy. Um, David Bell, who I think is a, you know, kind, kind of in that Rashad Bateman type role. Uh, Eric Izukadma, who definitely flies under the radar this year. I think that he's someone that no one has spoken about. Uh, Calvin Austin, where I'm sorry, like, I love Calvin Austin. I, he's a third round player on my board and he's still got two rounds on, you know, on, uh, on second round pick from last year, Tutu Atwell. So if, I mean, if Tutu Atwell can go at what 51 overall, I'm pretty sure that Calvin Austin can go top 10. If, if we're, if we're going by law of averages. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just that the Rams don't care about draft picks though. No, they don't. I yeah. think they made that clear. Uh, one, one more thing to, to kind of, uh, add here, uh, Leo Chanel has been getting uh, quite the buzz on Twitter, but I see you have that linebacker, linebacker six. Uh, what was something that uh, I guess what, what took you about took you aback about his game that didn't have him crack your top five? Because I mean, I have people talking about he's linebacker one, and that's fine. But at the same time, um, like Leo Chanel is way more of a throwback linebacker to me than anything else. Um, you know, he's like 6'3, 260, great against the run, can rush the passer. I just think that at the next level, teams are going to be able to exploit him in pass coverage. If you look at the guys ahead of him, they're all guys that are on the smaller end that excel in coverage. Devin Lloyd, Nicobe Dean, Terrell Bernard, Christian Harris, Chad Muma, like all of those guys are good in coverage. And I just I have questions as to whether or not, like, if you get Leo Chanel matched up against a slot receiver. How bad is that going to end up for him? Because, like, I'm sorry, 
there's a difference between facing an NFL slot receiver and facing a Big Ten slot receiver. Because you also have, you know, you have to realize that quarterback play is going to be a lot better than he saw at Big Ten, you know, in the Big Ten. Do you want to see how good the Big Ten is in terms of quarterback prospects? Go to Devin, go to Dante's uh, Big Ten quarterback uh, reports. Just find them. Yeah, they are uh, quite the uh, quite the group. But no, I, I I agree with that. I mean, the thing about Chanel and, and I think the most interesting thing on Twitter is that whenever you see people share clips, it is almost never of him in coverage, like never. It's like, him rushing think, the passer, blowing up a, a tight end, you know, in run defense. Like, it, and I thought that was interesting because, like, you know, I feel like if you're linebacker one, like, you got to do everything, dude. Like, do you see the linebacker ones in on NFL teams? Like, they cover down the field. They cover in the flat. They don't just do uh, come downhill and – move uh, sideline to sideline. If this you, were 2003, he'd probably be linebacker one. I mean, but hell, he might be he, may, he might be a top 5 pick in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, like and, and it's it just interesting like I like Chanel. Like I I've liked yeah. him since the season and I think he's going to be a good player. He's going to be productive, but do I feel like people are probably projecting a little bit on on, on his game? Yeah, a little bit. I I, I just think when, when you look for a modern linebacker, it's just like having a modern tight end. Like, you can't just be a, you know, a, a slot tight end. Like, you got to bring some value in, in the blocking game. You know, you have to be – And able you can't to, just be a blocker either. Like, Yeah, you, you got to be able to do a little bit of both. And I feel like the linebacker position is changing. Like, if you cannot cover, you will not be on the field. It's just not going to happen. Or you're going to be a sub-package linebacker. Yeah, like, I, 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 I worry – I worry about what his upside is. Like, is he just going to be a two down linebacker? And if that's the case, then like you can get guys that are two down linebackers later in the draft. Anyways, you can bring in, we've seen it in, in years past, like Kentrell brothers was a, was a great run stuff, stuffing pass rushing linebacker. And he went in like the sixth round Therese hall also out of Missouri, like same thing. These guys were, these guys were day three or undrafted guys. Like Leo Chanel is a great, kind of hybrid of an off-ball linebacker and a pass rusher. But, like, if you want to see, like, a run-defending linebacker and a pass, you know, rusher. But I I think I saw him in coverage, like, four times, like, all season. Yeah, that I I thought it was an interesting one to bring up, the very least, because, like, I feel like people are overlooking that a little bit. I agree. And, you know, it's just going to be important. Uh, last one I want to point out here, Lewis senior safety two over Dax Hill. What, what was that? I guess what, what was the, the splitting hairs decision about that one? I like both of them. I really do. Um, but the thing is, is I've obviously had to watch a lot of Georgia lately, like a lot of Georgia. If you look at Georgia's defense, I'm pretty sure they take up about half my rankings at every position. And the more I've had to watch George's defense studying guys like Shannon Tindall and, and, you know, uh, Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, Quay Walker. Uh, uh, there's probably another one in there. I, I, I missed somehow. Uh, but like you watch Lewis scene and you go, 
man, this kid's good. This guy's like a top 50 player. And then you go back and you watch like a Devontae Wyatt. And while you're watching these other guys, Lewis Seen is popping off and making more plays. And with Dax Hill, like, you, he, he never really caught your eye when you, like, when you're focusing on Dax Hill, he's a phenomenal player. But there's never that point where you're watching another player and your eye just keeps getting drawn to Daxton Hill. And that's, that's kind of what happened. It's just the more I had to see Lewis, because I always tried to pick different games so that I'm not watching the exact same game like five times in a row. It was like, I keep seeing Dax, sorry, I keep seeing Lewis seen making plays when I'm not supposed to be focusing on him. And then he's had a good, you know, uh, pre-draft process. Daxton Hill... Not saying he hasn't, but just not at the level of Lewis Seen. And Seen was one of the key contributors in the national title game. And all of this adds up. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you know, I just thought I had to ask about that because I know, you know, Daxton Hill has been. I thought, I thought when you were going to talk about Georgia's defense, you were going to ask me about uh, a certain corner that's just nowhere near where anyone thought he was going to be. Yeah, I mean, Darian Kendrick, it, he doesn't. I mean, I I've seen some of George's tape. He doesn't have great tape. I and mean, then he it, read like four eight. It it's it's definitely a fall from grace because you know, coming out of Clemson, thought him and Booth were going to be a one two tandem before he he got he got uh, booted from school. Uh, ended up at Georgia, and, and then at Georgia's defense, you thought, okay, surely he's going to rise to maybe a top five corner in this class. I mean, he's not even sniffing that. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, he, there are some guys that definitely fell due to some 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 dreadful athletic testing. Another one that that falls into that court category is Jalen Weidermeyer. Um, if you'll let me talk about Jalen Weidermeyer for a few minutes on film, on film, Jalen Weidermeyer was like my tight end five, and you know part of it is I hadn't you know fully watched a whole lot of tight ends when I had gotten to him but like I knew he wasn't going to be a good athlete like I knew like if he could just put up average tight end athletic scores he'd have been fine and I would have had him as a you know as a fourth early fourth round pick just outside the top 100 players and I can live with that because again you watch the film and you like I'm sorry it looks like the guy's running in molasses like he's slow on film and then he tests, and he's somehow even slower than we thought. Like, I thought watching the film that he was going to be someone that was, like, four, eight, six, four, nine, Which is still not great. Which, no, that's still not good. That's, that's average at best uh, for a tight end. And then, Devin, if you put in... Jalen Weidermeyer's numbers as an offensive tackle, he's still below average. Like, we saw 22 offensive linemen at the Combine run faster than him. Uh, Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, they both ran faster than him. We, We talked about how, like, Bernard Ryman had a disappointing 40 time because he's a former tight end and was supposed to be someone that we expected to run in like the four sevens. And he ran like four, nine, seven. He's still faster than Jalen Weidemeyer and he's 70 pounds heavier than him. Yeah. I, look, man, 
then there's the fact that, you know, Jordan Davis is a hundred pounds heavier than, than Jalen Wademeyer and ran three tenths of a second faster. Three tenths, not three one hundredths, three tenths. It is. It's about as bad as it can get, man. To yeah, me, so to, to, to me, me, that dropped him into the fifth, sixth round territory. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like the tree, the the tape is at least somewhat intriguing enough that a team will select him. But I, I just, I don't know, man. It, it's that type of testing profile is it's very uh, it's anomaly, you know, and. You, and- you got to do something, man. Everyone at Texas A&M had a bad pro day. Like, we're th- I don't know what was going on with. Did they accidentally run forty-four yards or something? Like, I mean, Isaiah Spiller ran slow. Um, and granted, I didn't think Isaiah Spiller was going to run fast, anyways. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, he ran slow, but he ran only slightly slower than I thought he was going to run. I thought he was going to run like four. Five eight four six, and he ended up at like four six three or whatever. Didn't expect Ken Kenyon. Like if you watched Kenyon Green's film and went, this dude's gonna blow up the combine and run a four eight. Like you, you're watching the film wrong because like the dude looked like he was gonna run five five one well, five two. So probably gonna be a guard. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, there I, are I people that are like, oh my god, I thought that Kenyon Green was gonna be so much faster than this. Like you mean Does you it thought matter? the you thought the power guard was going to run like a four, eight. Like, I think you're watching the film wrong there, bud. Everyone's known that Kenyon green's going to be, you know, an offensive line, by the way, I still love me some Kenyon green. His 40 time did absolutely nothing to change my opinion of him. Well, offensive linemen's four years really don't matter. It's just a 10 yard split. A 40 anyway. for an offensive lineman. If an offensive, I mean, I'm a former lineman, man. If we're running 40 yards, something has either gone very well or horribly wrong. Four yards the other way. <laughs> but no. In that case, that's how fast I want to see you cut on a dime and turn the other way. <laughs> yeah, but no, on a serious note, I, 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 I agree on Wadamar. I think it's it's kind of foolish at this point to have him as a top five tight end, uh, just based on everything that's transpired. I do think I, I have Jeremy Rucker as tight end three, but but that's even without testing, and and that that's the only thing that worries about me is that like. Rucker didn't even get the test athletically, you know, but, but at the same time, I'm pretty comfortable with his speed on film. I, I think it's it's pretty apparent that he can move. I mean, it, you know, it's not any Watermeyer type concerns, um, but I, I think this tight end class really after the top two, and I think right now the, the top two are, are pretty set in stone with yeah. Bright and Dulcich. I think after the top two, you can get uh, a wild combination of, of any guys, really, because like K-On and Jeremy Rucker both were hurt, kind of, well, not Rucker the entire draft process, but a, a good bit of it. Um, you know, likely didn't test well, but he has some good tape. Cole Turner, uh, I think he tested modestly, but he has some some solid tape. Jelani was tested like a freak and everyone's re- overreacting to him. I think he's good, but... How good is he? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he's top five good at the very least because I don't have him. I mean, people five. are overreacting to the fact that Charlie Kohler read like he actually has a right and a left foot. Like when you watch the film, the man runs like he's got three right feet. Like, yeah, I, I, I never understood that one. <laughs> 
Like they're like, oh my god! Like, first of all, Charlie Kohler must have dropped like forty pounds of bad weight then. I don't know what happened. It, it, maybe he just started stretching because he, <laughs> he somehow got flexible too. I tweeted was, out. I, I genuinely, I saw his 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 uh, RAS uh, scores, and I'm like. Where was any of this on film? And someone was like, oh, I think it's just that Iowa State didn't use him right. It's like, that doesn't have anything to do with his athletic testing. That has everything to do with the fact that, like, one, Iowa State overused him. And then, two, he, he, ran, like, he ran like his feet were super glued to the, to the turf. He will run the slowest crossing routes I've <laughs> ever seen. I've never seen someone come to a complete stop, wait three seconds, Put a bagel on, you know, you know, for a snack, and then get out of their break for an out route. I tell you what, it, it, I got to give his trainer some credit because he he looks like a different player. I almost don't believe the numbers. I almost don't believe them. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, either it's... he either he ran a twenty yard dash, or <laughs> or something fishy's going on. Well, I'm, I'm not really surprised he ran a, a solid 40 because I feel like he has a size to move, I, I, you know? I, I just, I I didn't see any of what, like, I saw no explosiveness on film. I saw no, and the other one is that pe- I love when people tell me how good of a blocker Charlie Kolar is. He was like their, like, fourth best blocker that wasn't an offensive lineman. Like Brees Hall's a better blocker. They had two other blocking tight ends there for a reason. I mean, he certainly matches the mold you want. You know, like he's he's a former basketball player. You know, he can he can body someone. Like you no, know, Antonio he, Gates used to play basketball. Uh, yeah, so did Jimmy Graham. <laughs> so did uh, Tony, <laughs> Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> I'm so, so glad you went along on that with me there. No, but but seriously, I I think he he's gonna be fine. I think he's going to be a fine NFL player, but he's not going to be a top top three round pick, in my opinion. He's going to be a day three pick. I think he can be a solid tight end, too. He can play that Jason Wynn role where he just occupies space and sits over the middle of the field. Uh, you can can throw him in the in goal line situations, but I do not think he's going to be like a high-end, like Travis Kelsey production type tight end. Not even a little bit. Um, the one I'm surprised that I've gotten no backlash for on Twitter yet. And if you have, uh, issues on Twitter, you can direct your concerns to at Dante Colinelli. Uh, <laughs> you just catching strays for, for posting scouting reports. Uh, the one I haven't gotten any, uh, flack back on is Derek Stingley. I mean, I feel like a lot of people now are trending towards, it, to me, it's, it's, I don't think it's similar to the J.C. Horn uh, discussion last year, but I feel like it's somewhat similar. Like, people love physical corners. They just mm-hmm. do. It, it just is in our nature to love physical corners. Oh, yeah. So when we see someone that's, like, as physical as, like, a Jalen Ramsey, per se, like, does, does not, the, not as a, a direct comp, but like in the face of receivers challenging at the line of scrimmage, people love that, you know, and that's what sauce Gardner did. The funny thing, we've been on sauce Gardner since he was a freshman. We, we already saw this one coming. So just saying, I think it's on brand to have him as, as DB one. 
And then with in terms of Stingley himself, it like listen, if you look back and you watch the 2019 film, like he was the best defensive back in the nation. He should have won the Thorpe Award that year. The problem is, is that was also the last time we saw him remotely healthy. Got injured. Uh, healthy for a full season. At I least. mean, missed the opener the next year, did you know, due to illness. Played like three or four games, then gets hurt again. Then plays three games this year, gets hurt again. And and this one's a Liz Frank injury, man. Like those, those are that that controls all of your explosiveness. Yeah, you the thing we've your ability about, to cut and change, like the thing we learned about the NFL draft is that you have to go on the most recent film. Because if you try to say, well, this is what he looked like a couple years ago, well, damn, that was two years ago. Two yeah. years ago, he'd been the number one overall pick, maybe, but now it's we, he's played we like seven know, games since then, man. And and he hasn't interviewed well, uh, according to reports. So I mean, he could slip to, to 14, 15 later in the draft than we, we think he should go. But, I mean, he's still incredible talent when he's on the field and healthy. He's he's probably the best cornerback in this class. But it the probably is the reason why he's, he's not everyone's CB1. So I, I can't do it with a guy that's, that's only played seven games in two years, is coming off of a, a, a scary foot injury like, our guy Connor Rogers has mentioned this before. It's the same injury that just zapped Santonio San Holmes. And it zapped Santonio San Holmes at age 27. And Stingley's six years younger than him and may have some serious issues going forward as a result. It's just scary, man. Like, I don't profess to be a doctor, but I'm just saying, like, what? we've seen this. Before. Well, think about how much he relies on his feet, his footwork, you know? It, At a it, position like corner, man. It, it's no guarantee, man. It, it, it would I would definitely not open for it, but, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, it's not it's not a good draft process for LSU defensive prospects because, I mean, you know, Damone Clark is going to miss. That one makes me so rookie, sad. His rookie season, too. So. I like Damone Clark. It took me three attempts to get through his film, but I actually really liked Damone Clark when I sat down and got – and dedicated – serious time into watching this film i came away very impressed but he's not gonna play this year yeah so i did it's tough but it is what it is man any any other quick hitter ones before we get on out of here no i don't think so i mean i, I think we pretty much everything um you know i there's really no other discussion for me running backs is, is what i'm getting through now i think i'm going to be a probably a little lower on tyler algier than you are but I mean, you know, it's a, it's a really solid running back class, so I can't complain. Although, I, you know, uh, you will get a message probably after Browning listens, listens to this episode uh, in, in me saying that James Cook is number 12. So I, I, I've had this conversation with Browning every time that I've posted one of these. Every time I've mentioned James Cook, I get a message about how he's like running back three and fine. That's cool. Neat. <laughs> I will get a message and I will tell him the same thing I've told him like four times already. Consistency is key. Exactly. Uh, well, if that's everything for today, that's going to do it for today. As always, you can find me on Twitter, Mike H underscore draft. Again, tweet all of your, your angry tweets about my rankings to at Dante Colinelli. You can find Devin on Twitter at real D underscore Jackson. You can follow the show on Twitter at big shots pod, follow our work at blue chip scouting, follow blue chip scouting on Twitter at blue chip scout. And we will see you guys 
probably Thursday. I want to thank our friends over at Jersey House for sponsoring today's show. No one likes paying full price for jerseys, and thanks to Jersey House, you don't have to anymore. Jersey House has all your needs covered, whether you want an NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, or college jersey, or if you want a jersey for the European football, they've got it all. They also do custom jerseys and are always looking to add more players to their vast catalog. Head on over to jerseyhouse.ca and use the code BIGSHOTS to save 15% off your next order and help give back to the podcast. They ship anywhere in the world, and Devin and myself swear by their products. That's jerseyhouse.ca and the promo code BIGSHOTS for 15%.